God, we do thank you that we can be here. We do thank you that we can worship you. We do thank you that we can have communion together to remember what you did for us. So God, I pray that right now you just give us courage in our hearts. When we feel weak, God, may we turn to you. In our weakness, hear us. God, thank you that your promise is that where we are weak, you are strong. So God, we come to you just as we are. Just as we are, without one plea, but it was your blood that was shed for us. So God, we thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's good to be here today, isn't it? Worshiping God, praising God, having some time, doing communion together. And today I want to talk to you about the next phase of Elijah's journey that he's been on. See, to find this, we need to read 1 Kings chapter 21. Now, I'm going to start reading from verse 17, but I'm going to give you the highlight of, highlights of the passage, the first 17 verses. See, to put it in context, in chapter 21, Ahab, King Ahab, sees a vineyard, and he sees it's amazing. He sees it's a beautiful vineyard. And it's very close to his palate, so it's in a prime location. They always say that about property, don't they? Location, location, location. It's all about where it is. Well, this man is called Naboth, the guy that owns it. And King Ahab went up to him and gave him a few options. He says, I want your property, so here's your options. But Naboth, he refuses all of them. He says, no, I don't want it. So Ahab goes home, both angry and upset. He's really, he's quite annoyed that things haven't gone his way. If anything, he's thrown his toys out of his pram and he's having a bad day. And he's the king and he's been denied what he wanted. And rightly so, because it was a family's property and they had the right to do it. And then in steps Jezebel. She sees Ahab all upset and annoyed. And she starts making up this evil plan to get what the king wants. So she hatches this plan to kill Naboth, and it works. Naboth ends up dead. You see, and now that Naboth is murdered, the vineyard is fair game. The vineyard is up for grabs. The vineyard, um, anybody can take possession of it. So the king goes to take possession. And then in steps God, verse 17. We'll read verse 17, uh, from verse 17 to 22 together. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Go down and meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, This is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says, in the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. So Ahab said to Elijah, so you have found me, my enemy. I have found you, he answered, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. He says, I am going to bring disaster on you. I will wipe out your descendants and cut off from Ahab every last meal in Israel, slaver free. 
I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and that of Basha, son of Aja. Because you have aroused my anger and have caused Israel to sin. Now that's quite a harsh word, isn't it? But God came and spoke to Elijah and he sent him out with this message. It was a really hard message. If God gave you a message like that to share, do you think you could give it? Where you're pronouncing death on someone? See, Elijah remained faithful, and he shared the word with whomever God asked. That We've seen that throughout Elijah's story, haven't we? No matter what comes his way, when he's given something by God, he's faithful with it. When he's given something by God, he delivers it. Even if it's against the king, and actually it's especially if it's against the king. See, he had to correct the king, because the king had took an even further step and become a murderer. Now, he might not have wrote the letter. Jezebel wrote the letter and sent it out in the name of the king, but he was complicit. He had joined in, and not only that, he had then actually let members of his people, the people of Israel, he had let people sin on his behalf. He had let people murder on his behalf. See, if you read verse 20, you can see that straight away, that he knows that as soon as Elijah shows up, that he's in trouble. How is it that he greets him? He greets him as an enemy. He knew he was in trouble. He knew Elijah wasn't there because he had done something right. He knew that he was there, Elijah had shown up, because God was speaking to him. And you see, we are given a message. To bring it into modern-day context, we are given a message. And we have the story of Jesus. We have a message that will transform people's lives. However, we also have a message that does hurt people. A lot of people will get hurt if we really share the message of God. Why? Because when you go out and share what Jesus has done, you're going to be hated by people. Jesus said, didn't he, that he didn't come to make peace? Jesus didn't come to make peace. He came with a sword. Yes, we are peacemakers. What the message we believe, when we believe in it, we become peacemakers and we carry the peace of God with us and in us. But our message doesn't bring peace if you don't believe it. Does it? If you don't believe in the message of Jesus, it's not bringing you peace. See, if you think there's any other way to come to God except through accepting Jesus as your Lord, and Savior, repenting from your sins and following Jesus' teaching, then you're going to hate the message of Jesus. You're going to hate the message that we believe in. See, this is a free gift of God. You can do nothing by yourself. We're not worthy. We can't do anything to make ourselves worthy. It doesn't matter how good you have lived, does it? That's not what the message of God is. It isn't about a tick box of good versus bad. God isn't up there with a set of scales weighing how good you are versus how bad you are to see if you're worthy enough to actually get into heaven. There's so many people have lived a good life and believed that that's the case, and they've got there and they've realized, you know what, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the message of God is. What is the message of God? Well, Jesus himself told us in John 14, verse 6, didn't he? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
So if we don't approach God the way God designed, if we don't come with that message, and if we don't share that message, then we're not really sharing with people the love of God. We're not really sharing with them the message of God. And that's why people hate this message, because they're, what you're in essence telling them is what you have believed tonight is wrong. And that's why plenty of people will hate us. See, Jesus came and died so that we can be forgiven and washed clean. So with clean hands and a pure heart, that we can enter into God's kingdom and all the promises that he has had for us. And we enter into a relationship with God that we work on and work through. And that's what part of people hate about it. There's nothing you can do except accept it. It's a free gift. You ask for it and you receive it. See, Jesus also told us in John 15, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. You're going to be hated by the world if you truly believe in the message. It hated Jesus, so what makes you think that you'd be an exception? You don't fit in. You're not in the social norm. If you truly believe and, and, and let the message of God live through you, it doesn't mean you're always going to be hated by all. Don't get me wrong. We don't go out to make trouble, but because we go out and people won't understand us, trouble will, in essence, find us because we don't fit in with society. We don't fit in with the normality of what society thinks should be. See, in Romans 10, verse 4, from verse 14, it reminds us, how then can they, can people, call on one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. See, we go out with good news for people. So it comes, out, it comes to the courage of actually, do you go and do you speak? Do you go and do you share the message of hope that you have, the message of love that you have? Do you share the word of God with people, either a written word or a prophetic word? Whatever God lays on your heart. See, people will not know about God if we don't go tell them. If you haven't told anybody about God, but you want them to know God, you're a fool and you're actually denying yourself the opportunity of sharing hope with them. It's not my job to tell. It's not my job to tell everybody about Jesus. It's our job. It's all of our job. See, my job is to help guide us and actually um, you know, help us all declare the message of God. It's part of everybody's calling to go and share the love of God. But if you don't tell anybody about the message of God, about the hope found in Jesus, then are you really believing in the message you have? Are you really in love with God? Or are you a little bit ashamed of God? Why would you not share about the best thing that could possibly happen to anyone? See, how long would somebody actually need to hang out with you before they realize that you love God and before they realize that you are a Christian and you follow God? How long would it take them to work that out? Or have you been hanging out with people for quite a while now and they still don't know anything about God? It really makes you look at yourself, doesn't it, and go, am I truly reflecting God with, with everything I have? 
See, when will it sink into our thinking that if you don't tell people that they need to be saved, they'll never know? If you don't tell people about God, they can never know about God. If you don't show them, we can't expect our area to become a beacon for this world by everybody falling in love with Jesus if we never fall in love with Jesus ourselves and then let it show to others. That's what's called being in relationship. I love this quote from St. Francis of Assisi. It is no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. So if, you're, if the way you live your life is not following the word of God, if it's not an example to others, you can't expect others to be wanting what you have because you're not showing them anything of value, anything of worth. Whenever Peter and John were going to the temple to pray, the beggar shouted out and asked him, give me a bit of money. Give him his alms, as it was called. But what did Peter and John do? They said, we don't have that. We don't have money, but what we do have, we give you. So get up and walk in the name of Jesus. He gave them what they have. They let their lives be an example. We can't give you money, but we can give you something better than money. Here's a healing in the name of Jesus, because we believe and have faith in Jesus. So therefore, be healed. It's a simple act of faith. And in the same manner, we're meant to go out and be an example like that. So whenever people shout out and ask us for help and ask us for the, to do things for them and with them and help them and bless them, we can say, okay, this is what you think you need. Let me show you what you really need. And then we bless them in the name of Jesus. We live out our faith in a simple childlike manner. We ask and we receive. We seek and we find. We knock and the door is opened. See, today, if you've accepted the simple truth of Jesus in your life, if you, if you ask for forgiveness, if you tell God you're sorry for your sins, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus did what he did and said what he said and lived the way he lived, then today you are a disciple of Jesus. If you don't believe any part of that, then therefore you're not a disciple of Jesus yet. And I just want to urge you, don't leave here whether either virtually or physically, don't leave without sorting your life out, without giving your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus and watch what he can do through someone who's willing to listen. See, maybe you've followed God for a while, but you've allowed yourself to wander. You've stopped actually either being in love with God or you've stopped declaring your faith. You've stopped showing love to others, the love of God. You've stopped letting your life be a reflection of how good God is. You've maybe become bitter or twisted in some way. You need to give that to God. You need to give whatever baggage you're carrying to God and say, God, come and take this from me. Come and deliver me. Come and give me your freedom. Let's see what, what King Ahab did. In verse 25 and 26, it actually does warn us though about being like Ahab. It says in verse 25, there was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner, going after idols like the Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. See, Ahab had allowed himself to wander. He had allowed himself to not follow God the way he should. And you know what? It's so common in our society, isn't it, that we jump on any bandwagon sometimes that come along. 
anything which is common, anything that our society says should be acceptable. So, for instance, we're coming up to Halloween, a night where so many people surround themselves and celebrate all sorts of evil things. And they try to make it as normal and easily accessible to all ages. So they're trying to introduce kids at such a young age to all these evil things. So why would we want to go along with that? Why would we want to agree with that? Why would we want to do that? See, as Christians, we need to stand up and not celebrate evil things. And I'm not being overdramatic here. I want you to be clear, I'm not being overdramatic. Some people just kind of say, oh, well, just, just let them carry on. It'll be all right. You know, sure, it doesn't mean anything. You know, it's desensitizing. It's actually making them um, feel like it's a good thing whenever you're sitting celebrating something so negative. So we need to be proactive and make sure that our kids and make sure that everybody around us has a healthy knowledge of good and evil, a healthy knowledge that, you know what, there is a God out there that loves them. So don't be drawn into evil schemes. Don't make it into a joke. Don't make it into something which is nice and easily accessible. It's actually quite sad. If you go into some shops, there's actually kids' Ouija boards that they can buy and play with. For kids, they're trying to make things so accessible. And society wants us to accept it as perfectly normal. But are you going to let yourself be drawn away from God? Are you going to let yourself and let evil into your life in whatever shape or fashion? I'm not just on about Halloween now. I'm on about anything. Are we going to realize that we're in a spiritual battle? We are in a battle, a daily battle. See, it says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love does not delight in evil but rejoices in truth. Are you going to rejoice in the truth of who God is? In Ephesians 5 verse 11 it says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Are you willing to expose some of the darkness in your own life? I think we all need to be very careful how we live. Again, in Ephesians 5, it says, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We've got to understand God's plan. We've got to understand his purposes. It's a warning to us. The same way as it declared about King Ahab, he got drawn away, he got fooled into thinking things are okay whenever they weren't. What's the meaning behind what's happening around you? Why would you celebrate it? If, you, if it celebrates God and celebrate what he's doing, then go for it, be a blessing to others. See, we need to be encouraged about the message of hope and forgiveness directly from God. Because let's read on from verse 27 to see what King Ahab did. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth, and he fasted. He lay in his sackcloth and went around meekly. And then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day. I will bring it on his house in the days of his son. See, God's seen Ahab's heart break. God's seen him break. Yes, there was still consequences to what happened, the same as anything that we do in our life. Whatever we do, there is a consequence. Whatever we don't do, there's a consequence. But for all these things that were allowed to happen, 
King Ahab humbled himself. He humbled himself. He realized how wrong he had been, that he had walked away from God again. And Elijah wasn't there to put him to death. Elijah was there to actually give him the life that God intended. See, only we can stop ourselves and only we can change our lives and how we live. Only you can choose to follow God or not. Only you can choose to open up your life to Jesus and allow him into your heart and transform it. Revelation 3, it actually says this message to Christians, but it's applicable to all. God's message is this, here I am, or behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens up the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Are you willing to open your heart to Jesus again today? Have you closed it in some fashion, shape, or form? Have you shut yourself off from God, from the fullness of God? We started in the first song by saying, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Is the Holy Spirit really welcome in your heart and life? And to what extent do you allow God to speak into your life, to work through you? God wants to work through you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know his voice. He wants you to know his leading and his guiding. So I want to encourage you that if you have done wrong, be that king I have, humble yourself before God. Turn around from the, the, the wrong things you've done. Turn from your wicked ways. And then God can heal you and heal our land. Let's just pray together. God, we thank you that we do get the honor and privilege of humbling ourselves before you. We do get to declare that you are our king. We do get to declare and we get the opportunity to know you in a greater way, in a deeper way. So God, I just pray that you come and work in our hearts and lives. God, may we take this as a challenge. May we take this as a challenge as a, am I really fully devoting myself to speaking your words to others, to speaking your words to myself, to speaking your words and declaring who you are. God, give us the courage to speak. Give us the courage to stand up for you and to stand up for the right things, to stand up for things that honor your name, even if it's against the culture of the day, even if it's against all those voices around us. God, we don't want to be accepted by this world. We want to be accepted by you. We want to be acknowledged by you that as we enter into your kingdom, you can welcome us and say, good and welcome, good and faithful servant. God, we want to honor you with all of our lives, not just the little bits that are comfortable, God, not just the little bits that are easy, but we want to honor you with everything. We want to declare your praises and your thanks. God, we honor you with all that we have. God, we give our lives to you and we trust you. Come, Lord Jesus. Maybe you've never took the step of faith and maybe you need to right now take the step of faith and put your trust in Jesus for the first time. 
just take that step right now and just tell him you're sorry for what you've done wrong. Ask him to come and forgive us. Acknowledge what God has done for you, that Jesus came down and died so that you can be made right. Today, choose to follow God. And every day, get up in the knowledge that he wants to lead you. He wants to journey with you through whatever this life brings. If anyone's here and they've been walking with God for a while, but they know that they've been out of step with God, that they've not been following God the way they should, that things haven't been comfortable, just take a moment now and say to God, you're sorry. Say to God that you apologize and that you repent of the wrong way that you've lived your life. And then come into agreement with him. Thank you, God. If you've took that step of faith, please get in touch with us. Let us know. We'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to bless you. We'd love to just encourage you. We'd love you to be part of our family here. If you've redevoted your life to God, please again let us know. Please let us know how we can support you and encourage you. We want everybody to be one with God. We want everybody to journey strongly with God. We want everybody to have the courage to speak and share the message of God. So I just encourage you right now just to speak God's words over yourself. Speak God's words over this area. Speak God's word over your friends and family.